3: Welcome to After Work Drinks, the weekly catch-up between best friends and magazine editors Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill that you get to join in on. Lucky you!
1: Lucky ducks.
3: Lucky, lucky. <laughs> uh, reporting to you from two more global locations. I oh, know. As per
1: rather fucked off with Grace. I am in London, <laughs> and where the fuck are you? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, if you hear constant traffic noises, etc., it's because I'm in Rome, baby. Living it up Italian style. I actually feel very I feel very I feel very guilty about I'm wondering if the new social media thing is to not post if you're on holiday now because it feels insensitive to Australians.
1: Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's like basically when I got to LA, I was like, I'm I'm not gonna post this at all because people will just be annoying about the fact that I'm travelling and You know, heaps of people are still in lockdown and in bad conditions. And then I got one margarita in my belly and I was just away, away laughing. (laughs) Away.
3: I know. That's what I was like too. It's just, I think because actually we'll quickly talk about this now which is that Melbourne is going through such a hard time at the moment. So I'm very cognizant of that, especially when I'm posting. But I have got a lot of our lovely Melbourne friends who message me and say, this is keeping me alive, knowing that one day I will be able to go somewhere in the world again. So don't stop posting.
1: I know I can't deal with this Melbourne thing. So the way I was like getting my head around it is when we did our dinner party series, which feels like a lifetime ago, we talked to PJ Polly Harding um who is the kiss fm breakfast host and one of my good friends from new zealand and she was in lockdown as we were all in lockdown and she hadn't seen her boyfriend who lives in new zealand for months didn't know the next time she'd see him and she is still in lockdown and it's october that was in when was that april
3: in april yeah it's really intense and i think that Um, I think that everyone in Australia is very sympathetic to it, but I think because people feel as if they've been in lockdown before, they're like, oh, lockdown, it's not so bad. It's two more weeks. It's not that big a deal. And I think it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around that this has pretty much been a continuous lockdown with a short break for coming up, what, six, seven months now. And it's Mm. when lockdown started, we were all in it together. So there was an element of... Everyone wading into new territory and posting things on Instagram and being confused and messaging each other all the time. Baking banana
1: bread, exercise routines. Yeah, so it felt like. We did like a full takeover on after work drinks that's just completely stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Those sorts of things.
3: Exactly. But now it's. We need to remember how much harder that would have been if we were the only ones in lockdown and everyone else that we could see was out returning to normal with their lives. Be really yeah, difficult. It's the worst. Our friend Kate Lancaster, who is a wonderful writer, wrote a piece for uh, Broadsheet about this topic, and um, it's kind of going a bit viral at the moment. And it's a really nice breakdown of what it feels like when you feel so kind of alone and isolated and stressed and upset, but you feel like you can't really necessarily complain about it because it's a global pandemic. <laughs>
1: I feel like that's been a, the thing with this pandemic is no one feels as though they can complain about what they're going through because everyone else is also going through stuff. But I just think that's a silly way to be because it's all relative. Like you're got, you are going through a shit time. You are locked inside your house. You, ca- you don't know the next time you're going to be able to see your friends and family if they don't live in the same city as you. And even if they do, you can't see them anyway. Um, And that's a really shit thing you're experiencing. You know, I I think my therapist taught me, because I always used to do this, is I would sit on the couch or whatever, and I would talk about things I'd been through. But I would always, at the end, say, oh, well, you know, heaps of people have had it worse. Or, but heaps of people go through this. Or heaps of people's, like, I don't know, whatever, dad has died. Or, like... Stuff like that. And that's what you were doing with your mum, with your mum being really Mm. sick. And you were like, at least she's not going to die. That's good. And it's like, no, this is like a really (laughs) shit time and it's really stressful. And what you're going through is what you're going through.
3: And then you don't feel things as you should feel them and process them because you're too busy belittling them or telling yourself that they're not very worthy. And I think Mm. that that's a really, um, yeah, like dangerous mode of thinking to get into. I don't want to turn everything into gender, but I do think it tends to be quite a female attribute
1: yeah we're worrying about to tone down else. your feeling
3: yeah mm. very interesting so melbourne we're thinking of you they have the most intense lockdown in the world right now yeah no one is allowed to leave and no one is allowed to come in there was a story when i was at the hairdresser in perth where i also heard about the whale uh where whale. The, Do the rest of that woman got crushed by a whale oh
1: yeah
3: full of anecdotes they she's okay by the way <laughs> that sounded really callous um in so my hairdresser her friend was moving with her partner to melbourne because he got a job there and it was just before this most recent lockdown started and they suddenly got a alert through on their phone that melbourne was hard closing the border in 48 hours they were meant to be moving in two weeks or something they had to leave their goodbye lunch during the starter rush home get their dogs and all their stuff in their car and drive non-stop for two days and got to melbourne just in time because perth to melbourne is literally a three-day drive oh my god they just drove and drove and drove and drove otherwise they just couldn't have got in and he couldn't have taken up the job which they just planned their whole lives around
1: it's it's quite wild stressful yeah i know people who had quit their jobs given up the lease on their house bought their plane tickets and were literally moving overseas to london And then had to cancel everything. And then they're just jobless.
3: (laughs) I heard a really funny story that a friend of a friend of mine said where her friend was, um, same thing, had left her job and was going to move to the UK. And then couldn't go because of COVID. And she was seeing a guy. And then she said to him, well, the one upside is that we can stay together. And he said, oh, I was actually just waiting for you to leave. I want to break up with you.
1: God, boys are so (gasps) shit.
3: Can you imagine? He was like, she's like, the one good thing is this. And he's like, actually, no, not that either. <laughs> I
1: was just waiting for you to leave. It was like something only a guy <sighs> could do eh?
3: So how are you feeling? Because I know we have obviously talked about this before outside of the podcast, but you're now today, as of an hour ago, back in London for the first time since lockdown started. And it's an emotional journey, I imagine.
1: <laughs> you imagine, aka... I, I am was-
3: completely aware of... <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was bawling my eyes out to you last time we spoke like hysterically crying it was a mm. mess. And it, yeah and then i got off the phone to you and i hung up because you always compose me you're just like you are the best person to talk to in the entire world and then and I, I always feel
3: like i've said the wrong thing afterwards and i'm like i should have done this more or that oh more. no
1: you say you're very good you should be a therapist but then we go we get off the phone and um I composed myself for a bit, and then I had another hysterical sobbing fit, and then had a panic attack. Oh,
3: and what I, a nice! I, I had like few eight hours. rescue
1: remedies in my mouth at once, and then I. But then I was, <laughs> but I was in the middle of a panic attack, and I. So then I couldn't breathe for like the panic attack, but also because I was choking on rescue remedy pastels. So it was just imagine a, if
3: you died choking on rescue remedy pastels. That will be to kill how I die during a panic that attack. That will be
1: how I will die. So yeah, then I guess. I don't know, because obviously when I was last here, it was just sh- very, very shit times. Like, um, I, I don't know. It's funny because when I talk about it on the podcast, no one knows. I guess no one ever really knows ins and outs of anything. So it just feels funny to talk about it on the podcast when all anyone knows is that I went through a breakup and heaps of people go through breakups, but there's just a whole backstory to everything. And then also afterwards was like the aftermath, which was just this horrible, mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever had depression and really, really shitty, like four months. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, I don't know whether to stay in London or whether to go home. And I left. So then coming back here has been, um, like, yeah, a weird... <sighs> feeling, a negative feeling, really, because it was just the worst time ever when I was here last, and I don't really have that much to come back here for other other than you and literally the fact that my shit is here, so it's where I live, because heaps of people thought I wasn't even, I think heaps of listeners of the podcast, all my friends knew I was going back to London, but I think lots of listeners thought I was moving back to New Zealand, and even my therapist mm-hmm. was trying to get me to not come back here, because she was like, you're, you're so much happier in New Zealand, but I just think it was time and work that I'd put in but I was saying to you on zoom the other day that I just don't want to go backwards because I feel like I've made so much progress I'm feeling so much better I feel more myself right now well not right now because I haven't fucking slept but more myself right now than I had in like five years
3: yeah and I think something as well I remember the most depressed off my head awful i've ever felt in my entire life was weirdly at the grand canyon (laughs) i'd been oh that's yeah i'd been in la for a while this is about six years ago um and i'd like smoked a bunch of weed which i never usually do and it was in like quite a bad place emotionally and i had a really 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 bad experience there um and i was reading the bell jar which is like no woman with depression should ever do and um I feel like terrified to ever go back there because I I don't know how this technically works, but I feel like it would trigger me. I would be so scared to feel as low as I felt again. And I associate that place with those feelings, obviously. So for you, it's just harder because it's like (laughs) a city.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's and also I think because I was away, I was on the other side of the world. So a lot of the things that were making me feel really down when I was here because it wasn't it was obviously I had depression but it was because of certain things like I lost a whole group of friends who I was super who I spent every day mm. with for five years like we spent Christmases together New Year's together everything and then suddenly I'm like completely alienated from the group and that's not because there's any drama but because it's just too fresh and raw and it hurts and so I had to really step back but then that's losing all of my core friends who I spent time with here the, the people I lived with mm-hmm. I lived with four friends until I um broke up with Anton and then so there's that whole element of it and it's like I feel weird that we're gonna see each other and at the same parties and just all of that sort of stuff and then obviously anxiety you think the worst so I mean I've I've landed here and I feel fine right now but I have been in the country for about three
3: hours (laughs) yeah it's something to be aware of though and like looking after yourself is to do with figuring out what situation is going to make you feel a certain way and avoiding those situations. And I think sometimes people see avoiding situations which make them feel bad as a weakness, like they should just be able to deal with it. But it's a huge part of mental health and how mental health works is that your brain is just reacting to things in a way that you have no control over. For example, I was talking to a friend who's a psychologist and he was saying that his he has a lot of like trauma clients and some of them will say things Like, you know, I've got this red cushion in my room and I'm making this up, but say there was a red cushion in the back of the car when I had the car crash. And every time I see it, I get reminded of it. And he'll be like, well, chuck out the red cushion. And they'll say, but no, because I should just be able to deal with a red cushion. Like, oh, my God, am I really that fragile that I can't deal with one thing? And he's like, no, every time you see that, it's bringing you back to a terrible moment for yourself. So why not just give yourself the freedom of not having to feel like that every time you come home? But I think people just, people are so mean to themselves (laughs) where they think, why can't you just deal with this?
1: That's how I felt when when COVID hit and I was thinking about going back to New Zealand because I actually was like, holy shit, if I'm in lockdown in this brand new house with these people I don't really know, in a room that I hadn't even furnished, when my co-working space had shut down, I wouldn't be able to see you In the depths of winter, I was like, oh, my God, I just can't do this. But then the other part of my brain was like, you should be able to. You should just be able to do this. You're a growing up. Just get through it. Like, everyone else has to get through it. Just stay. Mm -hmm. And leaving was the best thing I've ever done. Um, So I do know that, like, as we were saying on Friday, when I was far more hysterical than I am now, if I don't like it here and if it doesn't work, I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to stay here because I feel Mm -hmm. like I should. I'm just going to give it a go, try to make the best of it and it might surprise me and i might love it but if i hate it it's a bad time to come because it's about to go into winter again but if i hate it then goodbye i'm going to la exactly i mean
3: you're obviously doing that anyway it's the elephant in the room it's obviously happening <laughs> <I> love
1: la <laughs> la is just my spiritual home yeah it's it's a great place
3: and you really suit it beach
1: every single weekend hiking mags mugs on Margs. margaritas Spice
3: tacos,
1: tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs. Lots L- of dogs. I was like, I don't know one person who has a dog in London, which seems insane when every single human yeah, being. Yeah, but it would be
3: cruel because every house is like four centimeters big or 89 people live in it.
1: It's actually, but there's lots of parks and stuff here. Whereas, Al- yeah, I don't know. But every other, every single person in LA has a dog.
3: So on to, I mean, this isn't really a segue, but segueing from talking about exes kind of into a very prominent back with the ex case Chloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson I called not Christian Thompson before this is how out of the loop I am on their thing uh, back together
1: where did you read this i know it's true because um like essentially they were together last week um with true
3: I, th- I thought they were photographed together and then it got confirmed by the Kardashians.
1: Oh, did they confirm it?
3: I don't know. I don't Oh my God, I know. That's a big deal. I feel like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: told a lie.
3: Okay, wait. Let me look. Wow. 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 Izzy, listen to this from the mirror. <laughs> Very reputable. This is all the top stories, including including the New Zealand Herald. Khloe Kardashian fans suspect she's pregnant again in bump snap after a reunion with Tristan Thompson.
1: Yuck. I hate Tristan Thompson. (laughs) He's very good looking, but he's a bad, bad man. He's so, okay. So to recap
3: a story that every single person who's listening to this knows, Khloe Kardashian, unlucky in love meets Tristan Thompson. I'm so
1: excited to hear you to hear you recap this i'm like i wonder what you know are gonna say (laughs) i'm like a
3: boomer um unlucky in love finally meets a man she loves called tristan thompson they have a little muffin baby called true thompson when Khloe kardashian is eight months pregnant conspiracy theory me it's all planned and strategized footage comes out of him cheating on her while she's pregnant And then they kind of tried to stay together after the birth but broke up. And then he hooked up with Jordan Woods in another scandal and then since then they haven't been together. And that was all about a year and a half ago.
1: But he's been trying to win her back this whole time. The dirty dog. He kept, like, posting photos of her, sending stuff to her house. He's just... LA is where I get all the goss. And they, um have been confirmed to have been together and quite PDA vibes just last week. And True was there as well.
3: That's nice. I guess the thing is that from the external perspective, it seems as if, oh, wow, they got back together. Whereas in reality, if you're co-parenting an infant child, they would, they would be seeing each other constantly talking, constantly hanging out, constantly so the segue from together to not together, it would be less of a big deal from that end than it feels like from the public's end.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just don't trust them as far as I can throw them.
3: You're not optimistic about this mm. reunion. Mm. I wonder if... So the New York Times did an art a modern love story this week, which you'll love. I'll send it to you. And it's called when it's either your ex or nobody for months and it's basically about a girl whose ex broke up with her just before the pandemic and how he ended up being a bit of a lifeline for her her neighbor died of covid and she didn't live with anyone so he was very amazing and came over and she ended up spending all this time with him even though he'd broken up with her and broken her heart and it's kind of about how this moment in time everyone's feeling Anxious, scared, detached, isolated, and that it's probably ripe for getting back with exes.
1: Oh, yes. It's also hard because you can't really go and date and meet anyone right now. Because you're not supposed to be meeting new people and seeing people. So if you've just got an ex who's just right there, it'd be very, very easy to do. Um, or you could just accidentally video call strangers on Hinge if you want to go down my route there's two options <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> you should do like um what do you call it those like uh those rom-coms where someone goes through I guess that's what high fidelity is where you you go through all of your random exes and see if you fall back in love with any of them
1: I know we also got a message um of someone saying that they like them and their whole group of friends loved high fidelity and they were grumpy at me for saying that just because Zoe Kravitz is beautiful, it's not realistic that she (laughs) would get dumped and that I might be putting people off watching the show. I would like to clarify that I watched the whole show and I did like it and I love Zoe Kravitz and I think it's definitely worth watching. I was just saying. And the beautiful comments
3: mainly came from me as someone who hadn't watched it. I feel like that was more me speculating than you saying that that's why it was But I think I can't
1: I think, no, because I was basically saying... That I wanted to love it, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. But I like it enough to watch the whole season still. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but I wasn't like, holy shit, I can't get enough of this show. But I do think everyone should watch it because um, she's incredible.
3: On the topic of getting back with your ex, I feel as if it's an interesting... I, I wanna Maybe it's not that interesting. I feel like it's an interesting thing because I think opinions are quite divided on whether it's ever a good idea and if it's not... And I am obviously someone who's in the affirmative because me and Zach broke up for nearly a year before we got back together. And now we are very happy and in love. And I think that sometimes it can be the best thing ever. And your friend, can we say
1: mm-hmm.
3: one? Yeah. Uh, one of Izzy's really good friends as well who we love. You know who you are. There's been
1: a couple, I'm trying to think, there's been a couple of my mates who have done the same thing. They They were together for ages and then took like a year off and didn't, talk and saw other people and then came back together and like these these guys are now married you guys are in bloody Italy flitting around um but yeah I feel like and then Juju Hadid and Zayn Malak are the other couple
3: we're in good company exactly now they're having a little baby um I think that when I think that when it works, and I think this has been the case for these other three success stories that we've just discussed, is when you meet when you're very young and you're probably a bit too immature to commit in like a serious adult way and you need a bit of breathing room to figure your shit out and grow up a little bit and then you come back together so there's no bad blood. I I can't imagine it tends to work if someone's cheated when you're eight months pregnant or cheated in general or done something horrible. I think then it's probably more difficult but I mean who are we to judge the Kardashians kind of deal in wanting the public to have opinions about what they do so I don't feel too bad about weighing in on it but
1: I'm trying to think if I've ever gotten back with an ex and the only time it's happened is when I was dating someone for like four or five months and then we ended or he actually ended it and then I was devastated. I was such a mess. And then we didn't talk for like, I was such a mess. Devastated. And then we didn't, <laughs> then we didn't talk for like six months. And then um, as all good love stories start, hooked up on a random night out. And then we dated for like three years afterwards. Ah. Um,
3: and that was, I think, the
1: same, same kind of thing where it was just, we were super young and he was like, uh, I don't know if I really want to commit to this and then couldn't resist. Obviously
3: couldn't resist. He's only human. Another friend of mine <laughs> um, met her boyfriend when she was in high school in a different state. They broke up and then literally 10 years later, they ran into each other at a bar in Sydney. And now they're married. That's so cute. That's a nice little story. That's so cute. Message us your stories. We'd love to hear them.
1: I got um, a couple of messages about the dating app video calling thing where girls have done that as well.
3: (gasps) Really? (laughs) I think it's really irresponsible. I I, I think there should be a three-step third-party verification system before you can call anyone on the phone on a dating app. It's just nuts.
1: Agreed. So I just want to talk through a couple of plain recommendations. I watched Just Mercy, which is the most incredible film. I started watching it on the way into LA and then I finished watching it on the way out. And I was a sobbing, hysterical mess with a face mask on. So it was kind of good because I could just like cry, ugly cry. (laughs) Um, It's Michael B. Jordan and he is a lawyer who goes to Alabama to work on death row and trying to get prisoners who have been wrongfully... Um, convicted off their sentences and it's a true story and it's got Brie Larson in it as well and she's incredible and um, Jamie Foxx who is like actually a very good actor mm. he's won an Oscar surprising so I feel like you don't I don't know I feel like you don't have that many people because he's a singer right mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not that many people who do that well no Cher Jamie Foxx remember when Will Smith tried to do to Go on to singing
3: yes yes he was always a bit of both but yeah he never really took off with the singing that no. song um twist <laughs> switch what was it called <laughs> twist, twist. <laughs> and it was it was like a really wholesome rap song the lyrics yeah. are really funny they're like oh look at that girl over there she's probably like a really nice woman
1: <laughs> uh-huh. oh really yeah well um yeah and jamie fox and It is just very good. It's super um, sad because obviously all this shit is still happening right now and this was based in the late 80s, early 90s. But yeah, I would highly recommend. And then I also read Educated by Tara Westover. Have you read that?
3: Oh, I've wanted to read that for so long. It's on my Audible wish list.
1: Mm, It's very... I've got Mm. it here, so I'll give it to you. Okay. It's very, very good and I just ripped through that on the plane it is about it's a memoir of her life growing up in Idaho in a incredibly devout Mormon family and then her experiences she, so she was homeschooled quote unquote because she was never taught anything um, and then she taught herself taught her self taught herself enough to get into uni age 17 wow and then um ended up at Harvard and with a doctorate
3: that's amazing mm. super interesting, but it's mostly
1: about her family and stuff
3: that's so interesting. I find any I find any information on people who grew up in very, very very religious households really interesting. Were you religious? I was an altar server
1: yeah, I was religious i well, my family weren't though I just decided so they sent right. me to mum sent me to a Catholic school. Because it was just the best school in our neighborhood. And I think she had to do, she, we had to do all this intense testing because I didn't grow up in a Catholic household to get me in. And then I, um, yeah, turned super religious. I used to pray every single night before bed. Wow. I cried when Britney Spears swore, remember? Mm-hmm. And I used to go to like camp every single summer and, yeah, always made mum drop me at church every Sunday morning. She was like, ugh. <laughs> She'd drop me off and leave.
3: That's so interesting, Izzy. We haven't Mm. really unpacked this part of your childhood ever. And I don't know if now's the time, but we will. Because I grew up in a very... I didn't grow up in a religious household, but we did go to church every Sunday. I was an altar server because I had to when I was eight or nine. And once the German priest... I stood on, so altar serving is weird because you're like a little kid and you have to wear all the crazy robes and you have to do all the, this weird ritual stuff. And I stood on the wrong side of the priest as we came up to the altar and he grabbed me by the shoulders and shoved me to the other side of him in front of the church. And my mum was so angry that she yelled at him afterwards. And then one night he just rocked up at our house to apologize at dinner. And then he had to have dinner with us. And it was so awkward
1: jeez it's not very
3: yeah so i've all i I feel very anti-religion but i think that's i think that's ignorance on my part not really speaking to people where it's i don't know many people who are are currently actively religious to make a blanket judgment on it but i feel like i didn't have a very good experience with religion when i was a little muffin child
1: i um yeah i don't know how i feel i was actually talking to my friend about this when we were in we went on, I went on this, like, cute road trip with one of my girlfriends in the U.S. And, we, yeah, we were talking about religion um, for ages. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. I know I have a lot of friends who had really bad experiences. Well, not re- not really bad experiences, but bad experiences in the church when we were at high school and primary school. Just, I don't know, just shitty. I remember
3: when I was in high school, I, uh, we had a debating class or something, And we literally – I had to debate. I was on the team that had to debate against gay adoption and pro-death penalty. We're, like, 13. And I had to go and, like, look up reasons that gay people shouldn't be allowed to adopt, and that was what my mark was based on in school. And I didn't even go to a particularly religious school. That was just in the curriculum. And I just remember being so so upset and so furious and refusing to do it, and then I ended up just having to do it. And – Now I wish I'd have just stormed out, but yeah, I just, there was so much about growing up in Catholicism that I hated. And even being here in Rome, you're around all of these incredible religious monuments, but we were up near St. Peter's Basilica the other night, and it's really weird because it's empty because no one's around, but there's dozens and dozens of homeless people asleep, outside this giant golden gilded monument where the pope is living and this is meant to be a religion that's based off helping the poor
0: <laughs> mm, and being yeah.
3: compassionate and charitable it's just a very jarring image that's so true so i have a couple of recommendations as well one is an article which i can't remember the name of but i'll put it in the notes from the new yorker about voter suppre- about voter suppression in america And it is so terrifying. One of the most shocking things I've read, and I actually haven't even finished the article because it's like 15 pages long, but it's basically about the ways that Republican candidates are coming up with sneaky tactics to stop mainly black voters from being able to vote in the 2020 election. And they talked about how in 2004, when it was George Bush versus Al Gore, it came down to five hundred. Th- it came down to five hundred thirty-seven votes in Florida, and Bush won. That decided the whole election. But it turned out that they basically because if you, you have a criminal record, you can't vote. They I did was just this-
1: about to say that to you. Like I was about to say, and they so they're trying to get black people to, to not vote, and then because of the fucked prison system in America and the corrupt police, one in three black men has been or is in prison, and if you've been in prison, you can't can't vote again for the rest of your life.
3: And that is not a thing in other Western democracies. In Australia, you cannot vote if you're currently in prison serving for more than three years, and that's because that election will not impact the your life because you will not be in society. So that's the ideology behind it. But as soon as you leave prison, you're allowed to vote again. The idea of you having a criminal record, never being insane. able to vote is insane. But what they did in Florida is... They made a list of everyone who had a criminal record, but they also struck off anyone who had the same name as that person.
1: Oh, my God.
3: By accident. So people were rocking up who had no criminal record, but they had the same name as someone who did, and they just weren't allowed to vote. And they think upwards of, like, thousands and thousands of votes weren't able to be cast. And think about what people are like. If I went to a voting station and someone said, oh, you can't vote, and I said, why? And they said, I don't know. It's just saying you can't vote. I would just go home. I wouldn't even kick up a fuss about it because...
1: No, no. They make it hard. They make it so hard on purpose. So hard, like how they were literally locking the doors and not letting people in, and predominantly black and poor neighborhoods. They literally were just yes. shutting the doors, and now they're taking literal mailboxes away during a pandemic when you shouldn't be. It's 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 so crazy. It's just
3: crazy. It's the kind of thing you would think you would hear about in some far off corrupt dictatorship country, and it's literally happening in America. And they were saying in this article that um that Basically, Republicans realized that where Obama era Democrats were winning was among college educated, young women and black voters, which are growing demographics, and where Republicans do best is in with older white people, mm-hmm. which is getting smaller and smaller every year. So this is their only way of dealing with it. is to just to stop as many people as possible from voting.
1: I find it quite weird in the states how it's not at the total number of votes. It's not whoever gets the most votes that wins. Mm. It's the states. I just think that's stupid because Hillary would have won, right? If it wasn't for the yeah, states. and Al
3: Gore would have won. They both won the popular votes by over a million. Yeah, no, the electoral college is really confusing as well. How it works? It's I, Zach's explained it to me twenty times, and I still don't fully understand it.
1: So someone was saying. Um, when we were out for dinner in LA, someone was saying that one of their friends in New York just, like, isn't voting because New York's always going to be a yeah. blue state. So there's no yeah. point. Like, she, she doesn't see a point in voting because it's just going to be blue. And I'm like, that's so stupid.
3: There kind of isn't. As, like, no, she's that's right, what I mean. But, you, but yeah, that's crazy. But like yeah.
1: that's, so, yeah, that's so stupid that that's the way it's done.
3: That's why it sucks when we talk about... That's why talking about being pragmatic and pro-Joe Biden, even though it's like a bit of pill to swallow, is so important because the places that love AOC and Bernie are California and New York where you literally don't need to talk to anyone or convince anyone to vote Democrat because they vote Democrat like 90% every single year and always have. You know what I mean? It's on the ground. It
1: is crazy, though, even going like two hours north of um, L.A., and we were riding bikes around this small town and there were Trump um, flags, like mm. not everywhere, but Trump flags are around. And this is in California. This is just two hours out of LA. Yeah,
3: I remember driving from LA to Vegas and when we crossed the border to Nevada, there was a giant flower arrangement that said the NRA welcomes you to gun country or something. And I was like, this is just so insane. Like the same way it would say, welcome to our city, like written in literal flowers. It was Mm. so weird.
1: Yeah. We were just driving past houses with Trump 2020 and these huge Trump flags. And I was like,
3: I don't like this. (laughs) My other recommendation is funny because it comes off the back of us roasting Joe Rogan on our Instagram account. Um, It's a Joe Rogan podcast with Miley Cyrus that was released this week and it was really fantastic. And I now I really love Miley Cyrus. I think she's super cool.
1: Yeah. I listened to it as well. I found it. There was so so many different parts of it, but I found so it's his interviews are like two hours. It's two and a half hours. I think the interview. Yeah, was. I never listened to him.
3: No, he's. I I feel like I don't know that much about Joe Rogan. I know that he's massive, massive, massively popular. Obviously, um, I think what's funny is more his super fans more so than him. Like I think he's fine and he does interesting interviews, and I don't. I, I think there's some problematic things about him. I'm not super well versed in it. But he, he, it, there's just a thing that a certain type of straight white man has where they just fucking love to talk about Joe Rogan.
1: Yeah, I found it – I found probably the most interesting part, her kind of grappling with her fame and feeling guilty about it and just talking about how she I, – I like how Joe Rogan kind of prods and pokes and, so, and she – She tries, exactly like what we were saying earlier, she tries to be like, oh, you know, but it's a a good life, so I can't complain, and, you know, and, you know, I chose this life, and he was like, well, you didn't really, I mean, you were a child, you didn't really know what you were choosing, your dad was already super famous, and you were born into this world, and yes, you're privileged, but also, it's really, really tough, and it must be really weird, and humans aren't made to be famous, and you... Uh, in this fishbowl and no one can really relate to you and then Miley was like oh well I didn't want to hang out with other celebrities I just wanted to be as normal as possible so I always hung out with normal people but then normal people just cannot relate to me at all and so I always feel as though I'm kind of putting on a different acting differently to try and act normal because they don't understand celebrity and you don't want to be a celebrity but then if you just hung out with other celebrities then you'd all understand it together.
3: Yeah, 100%. It's so, so fascinating. And I think that I found it really interesting how she talked about the the moment where the world started treating her like she was this out of control, crazy, wild, unruly person. She said it was the first time in her whole life she had felt in control before. So when she started doing all the things that we now know, wrecking ball and twerking with Robin Thicke and whatnot, she said that was her taking Ownership and control of herself in a way that felt really empowering and strong to her for the first time after being kind of not manhandled, but manhandled by the Disney network and all of the mm. other stuff um, was the exact same time that society started acting as if she had no control and no autonomy and that she was acting like a lunatic. She, I think, she's like a really good head on her shoulders.
1: <laughs> she definitely does. I think she's. I think she's way more chill than everyone makes her out to be. I never. I just didn't know that much about Miley Cyrus. I think because I. Um, don't, her music's not my vibe, so I've never listened to her music, and then, so I think you kind of just, I don't know all that much about it. The only thing I have always really liked about her is that she's a really crazy animal lover, and so I thought, and I feel like people who are really crazy animal lovers are usually quite down to earth, and she even says that on the podcast, she's like, I couldn't be this crazy diva, and wipe my dog's butt every day how
3: wild was the bit my favorite bit was when she talked about how she did ayahuasca for anyone who doesn't know what ayahuasca is it's a um it's like a brazilian root plant that has hallucinogenic properties that has become very trendy for like rich white people to do and you have to go to brazil and you have a shaman and you have this ritual and you do it for multiple days and you have these insane hallucinatory experiences and people have very profound psychological breakthroughs when they do it um so she did it And it was just after she went vegan, and she said that in her ayahuasca state, uh, the shaman she was with, or whoever, made her vomit up every animal she'd ever consumed.
1: No, that was just what she was seeing. Right, but she said, like, she
3: felt, but she, like, felt, because, you know, everyone pukes all the time in ayahuasca, so I think she was, like, throwing, like, but it, like, through her hallucination, that's what she was doing, but it felt like she was doing that. Yeah. Isn't that wild?
1: That's the craziest yeah. thing
3: ever. And she said it started being pigs and things, and then it was
2: seals and dolphins. And I was like, that would be the most <laughs> horrible experience. I had a, I had a very great ayahuasca experience that I saw some things. I saw like, um, I guess people take ayahuasca a couple of times, end up seeing these snakes that end up mm-hmm. like taking you underground and you kind of meet mama ayahuasca yeah. and she walks you through everything. So ayahuasca, the woman that I was seeing, It was at the time where I just kind of started to become uh, like really dedicated to the veganism and she reached down my throat and pulled out every dead animal I had ever eaten and made me throw it up. But I didn't see the animal that it was like i didn't see like a cow or pig or chicken like i saw me puking up all the animals i saw me picking up seals puking up a seal not fun elephants all these other animals and i would see all the animals coming out of my body and uh you're not supposed to have like a companion in your ayahuasca trip it's supposed to be just about you but i uh you know it like my life the good perks, I got special treatment, I could have my dog. So I had my dog and I held my dog the entire time and I and I had a really, really intense trip. But since then, I, I haven't really loved getting high as much as I used to. It, like, unlocked something. Uh, now I'm like, I just don't want to puke up seals again.
3: The last – the other thing that was really uh, interesting was her talking about Billy Ray Cyrus, who's just the loosest unit ever. I didn't realize how nuts he was. Um – and she said that he actually, she thinks that there might be a defect in her brain. Because when she was two years old, he took her dirt biking and just had her strapped to his front. And then a tree, suddenly a tree branch came forward and he ducked because she was two. She didn't. And it smashed her in the head and she ended up having to go to hospital with a really bad brain injury.
1: Yeah. So she must have been on his back and then he ducked his head. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, he started up. Right, yeah. <laughs> God,
3: <laughs> yeah. And she said, I, "I haven't been able to say this in public for ages, but I can say it now because the statute of limitations on him getting arrested for it has passed." And then that story of him getting them to steal all the chickens from the reptile farm so they wouldn't get fed to the snakes. they He distracted yeah. everyone, and then they stole like nine chickens from a reptile farm in Malibu and put them in the back of his Corvette and saved them.
1: She's got a wild life, like how she's Dolly Parton's goddaughter.
3: Yeah, it's so cra- it's She's just so interesting. I just like listening to her, I found her so fascinating. I also found, actually, last thing to say about it, it fascinating her talking about drugs and her talking about weed and how weed had a really negative effect on her at a certain point. And then Joe Rogan was saying how he finds that people who are pro weed and pro legalizing weed tend to be very reticent to talk about the ways that weed can fuck you up mentally because that they worry it'll ruin the cause mm. so it was like refreshing to hear someone who's been like very pro weed to be like yeah no it can be great for some people but it also was like not that great for me because legalizing yeah. it doesn't mean that you you think it's like a faultless
1: drug. no yeah exactly i have had like some of the worst experience in my life in my life on weed remember when you thought people were chasing you around an amsterdam bookshop
3: Yeah, I, the worst experience of my entire life was greening out on brownies in Amsterdam. Probably (laughs) like top three worst experiences. It was awful. I just went through a period where every time I smoked pot, I hated it, but I just didn't want to be lame. So I would just do it anyway and just have like the worst time ever. And then because I had bad experiences, I would be anxious before I smoked again. So then that would just make me have a shit time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now, it's, I think it's so funny because when you're a kid, you just don't even know what you're doing. So you just have like way too much of everything. So when I was in LA, um, like the other day, I went for dinner at my friend's house and instead of having, so we had this beautiful dinner, and we had some wine and then instead of having like another glass of wine that would just tip you over the edge and make you way too drunk or you, we kept drinking, we stopped drinking, we were all sitting around and then we had a joint and i probably had two puffs and then we all just got super giggly super chatty and we were just giggling and chatting and laughing and having the best time and then just went to bed yeah and i was like oh that's so nice
3: yeah most like a lot of my really good friends in perth will smoke rather than drink most of the time and they're just like very mm. relaxed chill people and then you just don't feel so foul the next day
1: i can't because i just eat everything inside.
3: Yeah, I am not ready to I'm not ready to try again. I will at some point. I'll hit a level of like <laughs> chillness in my personality or I'll be able to try a smoke pot again, but it's not now
1: until then. Until, until next time then, go to until Amsterdam. I'm
3: 59.
1: You're going to be triggered, that's why you can't go back to Amsterdam.
3: I literally will not go back to Amsterdam because I will go into a psychosis. What was um what was the urban drug myth at your school when you were young? Ours was that there was a, there's a uh, psychiatric facility. I think it's closed now called Greylands Hospital in Perth. And there was always this room that like a friend's brother's friend um, smoked so much weed that he thought he turned into a glass of orange juice. And he always had to stand up straight because he thought he would spill over.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> and we all believed it. I can't think of a urban weed legend, <laughs> but um, I just realized I forgot to say my hot goss from LA is that there are rumors and I know that because I googled afterwards that Kaya Gerber is now dating Jacob Elordi from Euphoria who was dating Zendaya and who is randomly from Australia and I can confirm that because they were getting a smoothie at the same place as I was yesterday. Really? Mm. I was like that's Kaya Gerber because I saw her I've seen her twice in LA now weirdly she was at the same taco place as me with her friend's couple of weeks ago and then i saw her again in malibu getting a smoothie i was like oh that's kaya gerber with her dog and then she was just with this tall man and the girl i was with was like that's that euphoria guy and then we googled it and there's rumors that he broke up or like him and zendaya broke up because he's interested in dating kaya gerber
3: god what a bloody track record he's got on him jacob lordy i know Speaking of teenagers that we are suddenly, I mean, I don't think he's a teenager, but young people that we are suddenly learning a lot about, TikTok.
1: Uh, Yeah, this is, this is so funny that you have just realized, I think you're, you're just coming across who all these people are, but they, this girl, Charlie, was the one that was at the Prada show.
3: Right. And everyone was screaming and I was like, who's that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... There's been a big story in the New Yorker about um TikTok and just how Charlie Emilio became the biggest girl on TikTok. I'm not sure if Addison Rae is the same popularity or just under Charlie, but there's this whole group of them and Grace they all live together in how in a, a big house. TikTok house. It's called the hype house. Uh. I think it's in the Hollywood Hills, and all the girls live in one hype house, and all the boys live in one right beside it. And that, so they all, they film content there 24 7. They are making millions and millions of dollars, these girls. They're, they're like 19 years old.
3: Millions. So, yeah. Okay. So, I obviously am aware that TikTok is a massive thing. I don't, I didn't, I don't think I realized the scope of it until I read this article. So, Charlie has 82 million followers and commands a nutso amount of money for sponsored content or posts the thing that i found really interesting about her is that the new york talks about the fact that she's kind of a random person to be the most viral star on tiktok because she's in many ways she's unremarkable and that kind of is the common theme across tiktok stars so she's a dancer and she's responsible for making a lot of the viral tiktok dances but those dances are perfect purposefully simple purposefully easy to follow purposefully not that skillful and her account is the first account that every single person who joins tiktok sees she's kind of the person that tiktok want people to think embodies what tiktok is about and the whole idea is that it's not meant to be aspirational and polished and beautiful and instagrammy it's meant to be wholesome fun silly clumsy Short term, uh, non competitive, non difficult content.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Charlie is she wears, well, most of the really popular girls on TikTok, but they wear just no makeup, they'll wear baggy clothes, they'll wear their gym gear, they will be a messy background behind them. It's all about being real. Um, but I've actually been, because I found out about Charlie. I don't know, in, like, January or something. But I've been, like, kind of watching Addison Rae more recently because she is now really, really good friends with Kourtney Kardashian and hangs out with the Kardashians all the time because of TikTok. And because Kourtney Kardashian's son, Mason, who I honestly have no idea how old he is, but I'm just going to guess, like, 13, he is on TikTok and he re- he asked the Kardashians to reach out to Addison so that he could meet up with her and make TikTok dances with her. And then now she randomly hangs out with his mum all the time. Right. And all the Kardashians. Um, and so I've just been like in this weird Addison Ray hole. Because she has, so like, they have so many fucking followers on TikTok. But then that goes, moves over to Instagram where she has 27 million followers on Instagram that is more than right. Margot Robbie and she's 19 mm. and they do like the craziest stuff. So she posted a photo of her in a bikini and then asked her followers to share her bikini photo on their story and then shared reshare it on her story. I was like, what is this fucking meta crap going on? Like what does anyone get out of that?
3: It's so interesting. I find it so interesting. I find it so fascinating that this is like the new frontier of social media is moving away from hyper curated identities, but it still becomes a form of hyper curated identities. It just becomes a hyper curated identity, pretending not to be a hyper curated identity, which somehow to me feels maybe more dishonest, but I don't know. It's like, I was talking to Phaedra about this and I was like, how do you know, how does anyone know, like, how does anyone know what being their authentic selves online is because it just doesn't exist because whatever you're posting you're deciding to post so in deciding to post something you're trying to curate an image of yourself whether it's a glossy one or not it's still kind of the same thing
1: yeah that's what I've been struggling with for decades on this bloody podcast as I just feel like my Instagram is like not even my personality but then I don't even know what would be my personality online because my personality isn't me taking photos to post on Instagram do you know what I
3: mean I know it's hard it's so hard (laughs) I don't know who I am it like fluctuates every day
1: yeah I know and then like you posted a cute selfie and then I was like maybe I should post a cute selfie and then I was like
3: well that's what I did after you posted that cute selfie in New Zealand I was like that was ages ago but I was like oh my god when you had the
1: windswept hair and the hoodie on oh yeah 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 I was like what but yeah Let's all do that. That was my that was my TikTok persona, but it actually was. I literally had just woken up. I wasn't even pretending to have just woken up. So there you go.
3: Thank you all <laughs> for listening. Um, we're gonna run. <laughs> I got a train to catch. Izzy's got a, some sleep to have.
1: Yeah, I have not slept one wink, and it is four oh seven a.m. in LA right now. I've had three coffees and some tomato on toast, and I'm gonna go to bed right now. Yeah
3: right the second we press end um thank you so much for listening as always please rate review and subscribe and we will see you guys on saturday for another very fantastic afterwork drinks with interview and we love you love you
1: bye bye